0: Today, we're studying Parsha Terumah. The passage begins with these instructions from the Almighty, as recorded in Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering, terumah, of every man that giveth it willingly of his heart, and ye shall take my offering. God directed us to bring an offering, Torumah. What kind of offering would be accepted? Gold, silver, brass, fine cloth, special animal skins, precious stones. It's listed in the next few verses. Only the best for our God. Why did God want us to give this freewill offering? He explains in verse 8 and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What was the purpose of the freewill offering? The offering was to be used to construct the mishkan, the portable sanctuary. But what was the purpose of the sanctuary? The sanctuary was to provide a dwelling place so that the Almighty would be in our midst. The mitzvah, to build a dwelling place for the Almighty, is considered an eternal commandment. God's people are expected in every generation to build a sanctuary for Him. What about us? What about us in this time? What about followers of Yeshua? Turn to the first epistle of John, chapter 4. We read in verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. What is John saying here? He, he is saying that God is in us. We are a temple. Continuing verses 10 through 17, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Yeshua is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. We are God's dwelling place. Now, when the apostles lived, the temple was still there. This temple in Jerusalem was still in existence. And that temple was called by Yeshua, my Father's house. We're not contradicting that the physical temple was God's dwelling place. We're simply pointing out another temple. Notice what Paul wrote to the congregation of Corinth. We read in Second Corinthians chapter six, verses fourteen through sixteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with believers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath? Messiah with Belial? Or what part hath he that believes with an infidel? In what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Paul develops a list of contrasting characteristics to illustrate his point. Righteousness versus unrighteousness. Light Versus darkness, Messiah versus Belial or wickedness, a believer versus infidel, the temple of God versus idols. Paul then concludes that we are the temple of the living God. While there is no physical temple on Mount Moriah in this generation, this still is a temple. We are that temple. How did we become this temple? Well, first we had to offer ourselves willingly, and we have to offer our best for God. Let's consider the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the wilderness again. If we could have seen the tabernacle, we would have been impressed. Although in some aspects it may have appeared modest, the elegant structure was made under very primitive conditions with limited resources. But if we had seen Solomon's temple, the second temple, we would have been speechless. The Talmud tells us that he who has not seen the temple has not seen beauty. The temple's grandeur would have taken our breath away, just as it took away the breath of the Queen of Sheba. We would be speechless at the temple's splendor. But what would you have thought if you saw the temple and you didn't see any gold? If you saw no brilliant marble stones, if you saw no beauty, if you saw no majesty, you would say, this is not the holy temple. It can't be. This is a cheap imitation. It's counterfeit. It's fraud. It's a substitute, an imposter. We are God's temple. When people look at us, they don't see gold or silver, but they should see love and righteousness and light and faith. They should see Messiah. If they see selflessness, selfishness and hate and unrighteousness and darkness and doubt, what will they say? They'll say, this is not not the living temple. It can't be. It's a cheap imitation. It's a posture. It's a fraud. The book of John describes Messiah's last Passover with his disciples. At that memorial, Yeshua shared the following. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. If the Almighty truly lives in us, his love will also be in us. And that love will be a witness that not only are we truly disciples of Messiah, but that God's presence is in us. Be a living temple.